This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. I've heard stories about this place. What kind of stories? About all the bad things that have happened here over the years. This place is haunted. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Howling at the Full Moon, where we cover the empire of full moon pictures headed off by the maestro himself, Charlie Band. And this week we're probably doing what is the, the last uh, first chapter. We're always doing the first chapters of these movies and we do them in order, but we're doing the last uh, first chapter of uh, a pretty hard-hitting franchise here with Witch House from 1999. Now, this was uh, directed by David Dakota, but uh, then you wouldn't know it unless you looked on the IMDb and in the credits because he's credited as, uh, I think, if memory serves. Well, let me introduce, let me introduce my, my co-host here, my usual co-host, Dustin Hubbard. You will know if I'm right about this. Uh, wasn't he credited as Jack Reed? Yes, this was Dakota's sole directing credit as Jack Reed. Uh, he was doing so many movies uh, constantly for full moon, uh, like literal uh, double shoots back to back constantly in Romania for them that he was uh, taking a lot of pseudonyms. <laughs> so I never understood that the pseudonym thing, but but I, I when I w w watched it, I thought that's what it had said was Jack Reed, but I didn't rewind it. I was just like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's Dakota. Yeah, sure. well, and one thing too is, is I I think that it it looked good from a professional standpoint, and that it didn't look like he was oversaturating himself. You know what I mean? Having like eight films come out in a year or something like that. You know. And he was also uh, had been directing uh, some larger budgeted, you know, almost, you know, like union type films uh, for like Showtime and different things like that. So it was a it was a way to be able to kind of, you know, move around and, you know, do do some stuff that he might not have been allowed to do also. So, oh, OK, that makes sense then. But yeah, Witch House. I, I remember renting this from the video store. From I remember, there was a five and dime store in Indiana back in the day, and you may remember may remember this chain. It was called Ben Franklin. Oh, that's a chain of five and five and dime. You know, general stores that had a little vid bit video section in it. And I remember renting this back in the day on VHS. 
uh, good old VHS, long before the days of uh, 4K UHD and Blu-ray, let alone DVD. But before we get up into this, let me go ahead and give you the quick summary on IMDb, which is quite lengthy as compared to some of the other ones in the past. So bear with me, folks. This is Witch House, 1999, as follows. <clears throat> on May Day, 1998, in the town of Dunwich, Massachusetts, Elizabeth gathers together a group of specially selected friends for a odd party. It turns out that she is the descendant of a malevolent witch named Lilith, who was burned at the stake precisely 300 years ago. Now Elizabeth hopes to resurrect her dreadful ancestor and has a specific and murderous need for the guests she has chosen. And you talk about spoiling everything right off the right off with the, <laughs> the IMDb summary. Usually they're pretty, the synopsis is pretty vague, but that one gives away everything. It's yeah, it's very telling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but good old Jack Reed, aka David Dakota, uh, directed this. It was uh, based on a story that uh, was written by Band Matthew Walsh, Neil Stevens, and Dakota did a rewrite on it as well, starring Ariana Albright as Lilith. And I use the term "starring" loosely because <laughs> our, as we were talking before off the air, Lilith doesn't make an appearance in this movie until what. 35, 40 minutes into the movie? Yeah, she first actually, she is officially resurrected, I want to say, at about the 36-minute mark, which is legitimately 50% through the movie, because the movie is 72 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Now, I read a little bit into the, the trivia on this, and the original writer, uh, Ben Carr, had written a script uh, that they ended up uh, shelving for some odd reason, but they actually ended up turning the, the original script for this tale about Lilith into Stitches, which I have yet to watch. Um, have you, I'm going to assume, you being the, the full moon aficionado that you are, that you've seen Stitches. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Stitches is actually uh, a pretty great film, truthfully. Um, and ironically, it's, it, you know, it's about a, a demonic old lady who runs like a little boarding house, you know, and she has some boarders that live with her and she kind of, you know, wants to get them to commit sins so she can collect their souls. Cause she's, you know, a demon working for the devil. And, uh, and that's the, what they do. Yeah. And, and, and the title was originally witch house on that. Uh, some old print ad stuff that you might see with the witch house name where the Lilith character looks more almost, I would say barbaric looking. Mm -hmm. And you you know it if you see that version uh, was artwork that was more associated with that script than what ended up becoming Witch House. Um, and ironically, the the demon lady in Stitches, her name was Mrs. Albright. Ah, I see what they did there. I'm gonna have to watch it. I got I have the day off tomorrow, and so I'm gonna take it upon myself to finally break some new ground here and watch Stitches. So I will report back to you. I think it's actually a a, a very thought provoking and underappreciated full moon movie. I would highly recommend it. So now I have to admit I I saw some. Uh, I had to look her up to see what I remembered her from, but I mm -hmm. saw some Full Moon alumni in the beginning of this movie. Uh, Kimberly Pullis, who plays Margaret, who is really dispatched. Her and Bob and Margaret are a couple that show up at the beginning of the movie uh, that are being invited to this party. But I noticed, I, I just knew that I knew her. You know, it was one of those, like, I, I knew I could pick her out from the crowd yeah. like I knew. But she was from Dead Hate the Living. And yep. was she didn't act in very much. I think she had only done uh, seven, you know, maybe eight, nine films or something. And Dead Hate the Living was the last. Uh, she did Witch House and Dead Hate the Living back to back. But I thought that was interesting that, you know, there's always there's, they're always like re repurposing a actors, you know, from previous films. And I love that. I love being able to pick them out. Oh, yeah. She had even been in. Uh one of the pulse pounder films for full moon as well uh called teen night with a k <laughs> teen, which, which eventually got re uh, repackaged and retitled for uh red box and later dvd and streaming under the title medieval park oh okay 
Um, it's a, a Chris Lemke film, if you're familiar with him. He was the drug dealer in the first um, Ginger Snaps movie. And oh, he was in Final Destination yeah. 3. Oh, okay. I like I recognize him from Ginger Snaps, but I I admittedly have only seen a couple of the Final Destination movies. I think there's one that I missed, and it might have been Part Three or Part Four. Yeah, so, I mean, she was in that with him. So yeah, she did she did three three movies before Moon. So and Jason Font uh, did two. He did this, and he did uh, uh, Totem for better or worse. You <laughs> can say for better or worse. <laughs> I also Dakota noticed in his worse because Dakota hates that movie. So <laughs> I did notice in his uh, in Jason Font's um, IMDb that he was uh, a Power Ranger at one point. So like, yeah, go go Power like Rangers! He became the Red Ranger, the the lead actor in Power Rangers Time Force, which I believe, and I could be wrong, but I have seen a little time force that he was in and i believe the lead villain in that was even played by um you know kind of like that that iteration of power rangers as lord zed or rita repulsa was actually a a villain played by vernon wells oh yeah good old vernon good old west from road warrior <laughs> go where the money is you know so exactly you know hey acting is a, is a profession and a job you got to make some money you know and, you know, Font would later come back to Dakota and he's he's been in, you know, more movies that Dakota's in in, you know, recent years as well. So like six, 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 Teen Warlock, which he actually starred in with Hillary Shepard, who played Diva Tox on Power Rangers and in Turbo. Uh, some so. some more Power Rangers uh, alumni. Definitely. Now, first thing I have is a note about this movie and maybe. Maybe you come to the same assumption or the, the same idea here is that it's kind of a Night of the Demons clone. Totally. When Dakotu signed on to do this, he I I believe he wasn't interested in the as much in the original script that Witch House that bore the name Witch House. Uh, so he you know, they discussed it and they came up with, you know, something a little different. And did what became what we know as Witch House, which for him was a, a light homage to Night of the Demons because Dave is a big Night of the Demons fan. And I mean, who isn't? So. Yeah, I was just going to say, who isn't? And if you're not, you're you're obviously wrong or you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, if you're not, shame on you. Or if you're not, it's because you only watched the remake and double shame on you. So Right, yeah, exactly. And if your favorite is the remake, then there's triple shame on you <laughs> there's a cliff you should go walk off of so <laughs> follow the other lemmings and just jump off the cliff <laughs> but the, the, this movie the way it starts off i, I love the castle and mm -hmm. i swear i've seen it before I, I swear it was probably used in other movies it looked like the castle from uh hideous i'm not sure there's even a part later on where they have a story that sounds the same as the story from hideous and I'm not sure, again, if it was the same castle, but they talked about how that it was disassembled in Europe and shipped to America stone by stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, I will not attempt to state specific films that it was used in, but I want to say these locations, uh, exterior and interiors have been used for numerous things. I know that props within that location have been used in numerous things like the uh painting that is in the room that maria and scott go to there's like a painting of a very distinguished older woman you know kind of given some side eye uh that painting appeared in numerous films uh, like Huntress, yeah. spirit of the night and it's even in witch house 2 and uh mysterious museum so there's a lot of that stuff was and locations were just recycled, like, ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah, it, it looked very familiar. And I, if I go back and watch a bit of Hideous, I'm pretty sure it's the same castle. I'm not willing to bet money on it because I, I am broke as a joke. But um, I'm mm -hmm. willing to at least garner a guess that it is. 
but anyway, when Bob and Margaret show up, they show up at this party. They're pretty sh- they're not even, well, they're pretty sure they're not 100% positive they're even at the right place. They kind of not really break in, but they enter without asking. So they're roaming around the place. They're like, hey, we're early to the party. Let's go make out down in the basement and quickly die. Yeah, they, Which, they basically do this, like, let's commit every stupid decision within the first five right. minutes of the that we can humanly do like randomly like we're not sure we're at the right place well let's go inside oh this is a creepy place let's go down in the basement and try and have sex it's like you deserve everything you got stupid (laughs) right right and that's exactly what happens to them they end up dying by the shadowy figure with glowing eyes and a very wicked looking dagger which we (laughs) but uh when everybody else starts showing up at the party, we get a couple of our main characters, uh, Jack played by Mac Rafferty. Uh, and I, I, I love the, the idea that they keep calling him Jackie and it keeps pissing him off. And he's just like, you know, he's very adamant about not being called Jackie, but he's been told, I think it was by, uh, the Janet character played by Brooke Miller, uh, AKA X Mrs. Sheen. Uh, <laughs> I was I could totally forgot that she was in this when I went to wa- rewatch it today, but you know, he, you know, he tells her straight up, "Don't, don't call me Jackie." And he's, she just tells him, "Well, you know what your problem is, lack of sex." And everybody just has a big, <laughs> it's like, but isn't that like pretty much everybody's problem if, if when they're too high strung? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. <laughs> but some of the characters here, I, I, I think are very like questionable in their uh expertise because they're all college students uh marissa tate plays maria and she's talking about her term paper which is very questionable because she's going on and on about how left-handers left-handed people are evil and of the devil and and we're not to be trusted i'm like and it's really a thing that that people consider at least you know back you know, hundreds of years ago, considered left-handed people to be, you know, different from everybody else. And it's like, uh, shows you how far we've come, but at the same time shows you how far we haven't come, you know? Yep. Yep. But some of the characters are just straight up, you know, caricatures. And I, I, I love it for it. I love it for it. Cause you get the jock, you get kind of, uh, you know, the upper echelon kind of, you know, nerdy type kid. Well, that kid, these are all college pe- people. You know, uh, Brad, played by Ryan Scott Green. You know, he's very kind of uppity. And then you got, like I said, you got the jock. You got the stoner. You got the party girl. You know, you got every little every little person is uh, very, every type of person is very well represented. And I think my favorite character, I'm not sure who your favorite character is, but I really like David Orrin Ward as Tony, the stoner, because he is unabashedly the stoner character. He is like, he's like Tommy Chong straight through and through. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because the, the characters are very, uh, a lot of them are very stock, yes. But I, I do think that they're, it's a very odd odd bag of characters because i i think that jack and the jennifer characters i think they're both really likable and very uh relatable feeling you know he's very gawky and you know dorky but smart and she's you know very demure but you know she's kind of awkward they're both awkward in a cute sort of way yeah and but very like you know coyly flirtatious you know they're both very likable i think i think janet's super fun i think janet's not used enough played by brooke mueller like she's such a sassy bitch um she's full of one-liners totally full of one-liners i i think elizabeth is sort of just i don't know (laughs) there (laughs) like i don't know she doesn't really i don't know she's she seems more of like a put on to me i i don't you know what I mean by that? Right, like, right, yeah. It was you know, a actually take... very specific persona, you know, and I brought you here because it's the 300th anniversary of the death of my aunt. She just, I don't know. <laughs> it's very theatrical. Elizabeth's trying to be Angela, your, you know, uh, I was going to say uh, Angela from uh, Night of the Demons, but she yeah. just doesn't come off as, she yeah. doesn't just, 
come off as, yeah. as genuine. Yeah, it's no detriment to the actress, but like you know, she's she's just kind of odd, and the Brad character's just bizarrely awkward. Like he doesn't even look characters like in like he doesn't even look at people when he speaks. He's always like got his head turned and kind of like fidgety and like anxious seeming. Um, Tony is well, weird. I go back and forth on Tony too because he's really funny, but then at times like he's really frustratingly stupid and it's funny because there are moments when i feel like the the brooke muir character is like really mean to him right <laughs> and he genuinely looks like damn like can't believe you know like the look on his face like i can't believe you're like talking to me like that so like sometimes i almost feel sorry for him so right but that was just kind of movie, like that was like a dave warren ward special though was just playing the burnt stoner so. Yeah, and unfortunately he'd passed away shortly after the movie was made because it was dedicated to him. He was uh, he was a victim of homicide, I, uh, I had read. So that's, that's kind of sad because I, I, I liked him. I liked him a lot in the movie. Yeah. It was a road rage incident where he was stabbed to death. Oh, Lord. I had no idea it went that far, but yeah, that's, that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. He did do two movies for Dakota for Full Moon. He appeared in this, and he basically played a variation of the exact same character in The Killer Eye. I, I recognize him from The Killer Eye. I like The Killer yeah. Eye. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, Killer, Killer Eye is a great movie. So yeah, it's yeah. He was you know he you know when you needed a stoner you know it's like hiring like you said it's like hiring Cheech you know or Chong yeah. or Chong. You know, yeah, either like, one, you know. You know, you know exactly what what they're what they're good for. So you know, and they he, they he was this movie's version of Jimbo. Totally, totally, Jimbo Leary. <laughs> Jimbo Leary. But yeah, I kind of feel like you know uh, the it's the character of Elizabeth that's kind of weak. It's not the actress uh, Ashley Taylor that's playing her this week. It's just it seems like the character isn't very well developed because she's one of our you know two main antagonists. It just doesn't. You know, she I like I like the character. I just don't love the character. Yeah, she literally only serves the purpose of delivering the backstory slash exposition, and basically, she's there to resurrect Lilith. The end. Right. <laughs> There's nothing else for her to do, and she literally goes missing for a large chunk of like the the second and third act. Right, so. right. She does. I, I actually made a note of that here at one point. I'm like, where did she go for like 20 minutes of the movie? Because the movie's seventy-two minutes long. When you disappear for twenty, twenty-five minutes of it, you're you're gone for an entire act. Yeah, you're gone for like an entire third of the film. And uh, you know, spoiler alert: when when after Brad dies, she just vanishes for a, a big chunk. So, and that's what happens. These people start getting bumped off here and there because Brad's the first one to die past uh, Bob and Margaret, who they're kind of wondering what happened to those two characters. Everybody else is wondering where they're at, but nobody. But he seems really too worried about it. Their car's there. But after Brad dies, you know, nobody seems all that, you know, I'm using air quotes here. You know, you can't see them, but I'm using them anyway. Uh, They don't seem too concerned about it. Like, ooh, we have a dead body in here and we're locked inside this house. They should be a hell of a lot more concerned than they are. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, One funny thing I I think that parallels Night of the Demons is, is that once, uh, probably jumping the gun here a bit, but when... Lilith is resurrected. You know, she says, Oh, I've waited oh so long for your kiss. And she kisses him. And it's kind of like kissing a kiss usually was a prelude to to death and or demonic possession in a Night of the Demons movie. So Yeah, yeah. That, that. He does not come back as any kind of demonic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everybody uh, else that was like that was it's kind of selective. Yeah, it's kind of like either people are killed, straight outright killed, or they're possessed. There is there seems to be no rhyme or reason as to which one is like killed, which ones are possessed. It just kind of is, and it's it's it it, it it it's not a, like you said before using the word. It's not a detriment to the mm-hmm. movie, but it kept, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you kind of guessing at least throughout. Like, oh, is this one going to become a possessed demon, or is this you know one going to get offed? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that part about it. 
But uh, then we, when the Jennifer character actually kind of comes in pretty late, you know, and she becomes one of our two main, you know, uh, pr- protagonists of the movie, Jennifer and um, Jack's character. She comes in late and she's very, myster- very mysterious. You almost kind of think something is up with her, which something does, te- you know, does prove to be up with her, but not in the way that you're thinking. Yeah, I got to say, too, did you notice that when Elizabeth leaves to go, she's like, oh, I have to get the door, you know, and she goes off to answer the door. She's gone for a really long time before she reappears with Jennifer. <laughs> like, there's a there's a good chunk of time that passes before she reappears with her. Yeah, there is a kind of an odd pacing issue there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're about, you know, we, we and they start talking about the... Uh, they start doing the seance before everything really starts going down. Uh, you know, they start talking about that particular day is cursed. You know, they talk about it was the same day that the eruption of Pompeii happened, the same day that the atomic bomb w- was dropped. Uh, I think they mentioned the Black P- Plague, amongst other things. Oh, the day the atomic bomb was created, wasn't it? Was created, yes, yes, that's it. And, it, and it's what Mayday was what she called it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Mayday. In my, in my mind, I always just pictured Halloween, because I guess by default, but I, I guess it's it wasn't actually Halloween. So, But that could be the Night of the Demons thing in the back of my mind, too, so... Yeah, I kind of think of it as Halloween, but it, she does say it is Mayday, so yeah, it, it's the... It's our love for Night of the Demons that is pushing in on this movie. <laughs> but finally, everything starts to come to play into play. Lilith uh, is a dis- direct descendant of Elizabeth, and she was sacrificed 300 years ago, and her name was Lilith LeFay. And everything just really starts going bad and bonkers for, from here. And this is where I made one note, though. I think it's uh, Maria and Scott's character that go off to start making out in some random bedroom in the middle of this castle. And that's when I had to make the note there, like, random B-movie making out and sex is always awkward. You can tell when the actors aren't, like, into it or aren't into each other because it Mm. just comes off as very, very just weird and and awkward. I'm just saying. And and it's funny too because this was a this was a period of filmmaking where Dakota moved away from graphic sexual content and any type of nudity so whenever things like that happened it was just like very like pg rated like <laughs> stuff you know so it's like there's like there's no payoff with any of that kind of stuff yeah there's no nudity there's no actual i guess for lack of a better term boning going on it's just kind of yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Bob and Margaret do almost nothing at the beginning of the movie. Then when you know Maria and Scott go upstairs, they don't really do much of anything. And then she's like, she goes to take a shower, and you know, very you know, in very obscured shots where you see nothing. So yeah, and I'm not saying you need you know nudity in every movie, but it just felt a little little weird for a movie that's you know kind of bloody and little gory. It's just really kind of out of left field to have these PG-13 making out sessions. It's just, again, very awkward. But this is where I made a point, and I did not look it up to see if I could uh, if I could prove this or not. Again, I'm going to rely on, on you, on your back here, to uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong in this. But the Lilith flashbacks are recycled from Dark Angel, aren't they? Yes, a lot of the fire shots, the de- the descending earth shots, and a lot of the flaming landscape and the the guys in the boxes, you know, rapid speed shaking their heads and stuff. Those are all recycled content from uh, Dark Angel: The Ascent. Yeah, which yeah, which I, you know, I like, thought so. That's I mean, obviously, that's a whole conversation for a, another episode. But you know, I think that. Dark Angel reaped so much, like some of the best footage for what it's worth. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. just so fucking money, you know, like like those hell shots. Like they've been recycled so much. 
Well, like, some of the best shot stuff in the history of Full Moon, it looks so good. Totally is, and it, like you know, for for what it's worth, that movie just had an insane scope, and they did pull off a lot of really incredible uh, shots and photography, and you know, so it's it's not surprising that they would want to recycle and get the money's worth. But yeah, all that's straight lifted out of Dark Angel: The Ascent. Okay, thought so. I was I was about ninety nine percent positive on that one. Uh, but. I think some of this, the sweet parts of this movie is watching Jack trying and failing to r- romance Jennifer, <laughs> you know, trying to hit on her. And just like, it's, it's not like gratuitous hitting on her. He's just, he's just trying to be sweet and he's just saying all the wrong things. And it just reminded me of being a teenager and also being the kind of person who was sweet on somebody and saying all the wrong things and just feeling like quite the idiot. So I identified with Jack for a little bit. He just comes off as like the very atypical, just like awkward dork who doesn't know how to function around a pretty lady, you know? Right, right. You know, can be it can be that can be endearing, you know. And yeah. I, I think I think he plays it well, and she she plays her side well. I think I think they are actually a a, a pretty good on screen duo where this movie is concerned. Yeah, I do too. I think so. It plays off very natural, and it plays off very realistic. You know, but the fun thing that doesn't play off realistic is when they run into the Le Necronomicon Le Fay, <laughs> the big book in the middle of the of the the big library in this castle that looks like it's bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. If <laughs> we're, we're, you know, <clears throat> Evil Dead, <clears throat> but uh, you know, it, but they call it the. Like the family Bible, I think it might be Jennifer that says this, or maybe it's another character I didn't write down who said it. Like it was very normal for you know families back then and hundreds of years ago to keep what they considered to be a family Bible. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody that had a family Bible named the Necronomicon, and if they did, <laughs> that, 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 that's it's not a good thing. You mean you don't have like the Le Necronomicon, Scott? No, no, table. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> can't say that I do. Can't say that I do. I mean, it'd be weird if I had like you know the Holy Bible Hubbard sitting on my table. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she, she does suggest that some families like to have you know keep things like that on hand, and sometimes even multiple copies, like one right. Ones for possibly each room and or for each family member, which is an odd concept, but, you know. <laughs> there might be some truth to that. Maybe there is some truth, but I I, Maybe. I find it to be very odd and very suspect. Yeah. Now, this is about the point in the movie where Lilith is finally resurrected and makes her first appearance again, like 36 minutes in, exactly at the halfway mark. And she kills Brad, not by uh, stabbing him like she did Bob Margaret, but by kind of draining his life force, which was kind of unique. Like you said, there's really no uh, rhyme or reason to how Lilith takes these people out. And I kind of enjoy that. So it's not just, oh, she's going to stab every single person. Oh, she's going to drain the life force every person. No, some people are going to get stabbed to death. One person gets beheaded. Another person gets their life force drained, you know, gets possessed. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Brace yourself, okay? All right. Like, Lay it on the, me. She, she does the the sort of Night of the Demons-esque, you know, seduction kiss. And then she does one of my favorite things. Like, I, <laughs> I've often heard people refer to, you know, the battles at the end of witchcraft movies as, like, you know, like finger, finger, finger power battles where people are, like, shooting electricity from their hands and stuff. I'm a sucker for people shooting electricity out of their fingers like in movies because it looks so fascinating and stupid at the same time that it like yes yes i'm like a little kid watching like a fucking dinosaur movie or something i'm like (gasps) you know it's kind of like watching jurassic park for the first time totally and it's like she does that and she like zaps him in the the chest and they're like weird like blue electricity is like shooting out of his mouth now i'm gonna say that's her first kill because I didn't really think about it for a long time, but when she, when Elizabeth is resurrecting her, she holds up the heads of Bob and Margaret. She killed she killed them. Oh, as that's a, right. Two. You are, 
Yeah, and, yeah, she she would would have been the one because Lilith hadn't been uh, resurrected yet. Yep. And if you yeah. think about the scope of the whole film, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump forward a bit loosely, but looking at everyone, Brad is the only person that Lilith kills. That's true. Everybody else gets possessed. Like like the the Dane Northcutt character scott he's like has that sort of like demonic cloud kind of descend into him and then he just gets possessed and he i guess it kills slash demonically infests maria at the shower where she later reappears in bed clothed uh <laughs> like she doesn't the, she pulls tony's head off like and the the Janet characters just randomly possessed too, and Elizabeth wasn't. The Lilith's already dead by the time the Elizabeth dies. So Lilith literally only kills one person out of eight. She did, and when did she kill? Uh, she killed Brad, and but she killed Tony too, right? No, um, or, I believe uh, that was I no. Believe, that was uh, yeah. didn't Janet yeah. pull his head off? I believe Maria pulls his head off. That's right. That's right. It was one of the possessed. All right. That, you're right. You're right. It's very odd in that, like, yeah. But then, I mean, you know what? I guess if you go back and you look at, like, Night of the Demons movies, too, it's like Angela doesn't always really kill that many people either. I mean, yeah, she usually not, possesses not people and, and kind of has them do her bidding. So it's kind of like. I guess it's one of those things where it's like she wasn't really the lead demon in part one. They kind of created that concept in part two and then it was like the angela show basically so then she kind of was the primary villain killing most of the people but in part one she didn't really do a whole lot so you're all right yeah you're right so i mean the the one bonus this movie has is is i mean lilith was you know the the primary nemesis you know the primary villain <laughs> for all three films so good point good point yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say she has only one on-screen kill for our main antagonist. That's kind of that's a little fucked up when you think about it. But it, but you know what though, you don't, you don't really. I mean, obviously, I'm like overanalyzing it from a from a horror viewing standpoint. But I mean, it's not really something that stands out, really. You know, and like it doesn't no. really take away from anything. I think she's still a really uh, solid villain. I just, I think upon this review, I just didn't remember how underutilized Ariana Albright was as Lilith because she's she's only got maybe six scenes she appears in, which might sound like a lot, but I mean, we're talking about a 72 minute movie that she appears in for the first time halfway through. So she doesn't have a lot of opportunity to do a whole lot, but when she is on screen, I think she's, she's pretty incredible when she's on oh, screen. Oh, and the makeup is great, and Ariana is, is like, superb as Lilith. Yeah, I think she the, really gets a chance to shine more in Part 2, because, again, she's featured more heavily in Part 2, but I don't think that it takes anything away from her in this in this particular it, chapter. It's fascinating to say, and obviously this, you know, this is a conversation for another episode as well, but, like, she has so much more to do in Part 2, up mm -hmm. to and including the point that, you know, embrace yourself for this, because I don't think maybe you've even taken it into this level either. In part two, she plays, she has four roles in part two total. She plays four different characters? I thought. She has four roles, technically. She is Professor Sparrow. She is Lilith right. Lafay, She is a corpse. And she is dementia in the opening sequence. She plays. Oh, okay, okay. So there's a lot for her to do in part two. Like in part one, she literally just has like, you know, like her six ish scenes and that's it. Yeah, but it's just, it's still, you know, it's not a whole lot for her to do, but it is a good little origin piece. You know, it's a good yeah, no, you she, know, starting she point. She definitely, you know, makes do makes makes good use of when she is on camera. And like you said, like, I think. Her makeup, I think, looks best in this film. I think it's... I, I would agree. It's demonic, but it's not over-exaggerated. And, and I love Part 2, but Part 2 has very complicated makeup designs at points. Uh, and this is just very... 
it's not human, but it's, it's still has kind of a natural feel to it. It's not anything too crazy. It, it looks neat. She, she has an amazing costume. Like her, her costume is superb. Her costume is great. Yeah, very like elegant and just very gothic feeling. She looks magnificent in it. I call it tattered gothic. Because totally. it looks like a, a nice gothic, elegant gothic dress that's just been worn and weathered and beaten. Mm-hmm. But and like, I do have an unusual question, as I always do in all these movies, and it's kind of uh, it's a silly question. But who the fuck lights uh, lights all the candles? <laughs> these places? Because I mean, was it just Elizabeth? You know, I'm I'm being facetious here, but you know, it's a question I always have in these movies where every room is lit by dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of candles. I want to know who took the time to take matches or take a lighter and light every single one of those candles. I'm just saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I know you recently had john carpenter appreciation month i bet if you covered you must have just went ape shit with prince of darkness oh yeah yeah (laughs) and there's like hundreds of candles lit everywhere all over the place it's like yeah i don't it it doesn't make any sense you know what it is it don't make a fucking bit of sense. It just looks cool. That's the only Aesthetically, it looks great, and that's why it says, you know, you know who lit all those candles? Whoever wrote the script. Exactly. <laughs> it's totally only that way because it looks neat. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense at all from a from an actual like story point. But you know, yeah, I mean, I can understand having a couple candles lit, but man, this just seems it just seems like a fire hazard at that point. <laughs> you know, totally. Oh, but I do love the part where when Janet gets possessed, it's the digital effect is a slight bit wonky. But again, this was 1999 with CGI and digital effects. But I like when Janet stands in the fire and becomes possessed. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a it's just a baptism by fire. I I really like that part. Mm -hmm. But this is feel kind of they feel sort of almost cartoonish to a degree. But I think. Uh, that's not really saying anything against the film. I think that it's just no. like movies like this almost have sort of a pulpy feel to them. So I think that those effects are really work for the material because they do look hokey, but they're they're right on point for what I think the movie needs. Same as something as silly as like the electrical, you know, like the the, the finger battle, like electricity yep. fingertip type shit, you know. Yeah, it it, 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 it does look a little hokey and a little comic booky, but it 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 falls right in line with the rest of the movie. It it makes sense. It looks just as silly when you watch Bette Midler shoot electricity out of her fingers in Hocus Pocus, but I still love it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You still fucking adore that that part, but, you know, it doesn't make it any less silly. A whole lot more, but, you know, yeah. Right. (laughs) Take what you can get. Now, the part that I, I can't get past is even after seeing Lilith, mm-hmm. Jennifer thinks there's still, as she says, there's a logical explanation for this. There's a mm-hmm. demon witch bitch that just killed some people in front of you. What is the logical explanation other than we're all fucked and we're all going to die? You know, there's always somebody that's got to be like, well, there's got to be a logical explanation for this. It's, just, it's like, I guess, Lock- you know. Knowing what her character, you know, who her character eventually is, you know, makes sense. But she's putting on, putting on, basically. Yeah, she's she's just, yeah, she's putting on for, I think she's just putting on for Jack, to be quite honest. You know, she's putting on for his benefit. Uh, I mean, he's clearly a bit shook because he's, you know, a like very like nervous and anxious around her so he's he's already going through that and now there's a resurrected witch you know prowl in the castle offering all their friends like he's having a stressful night so she's got to try and calm him down a bit. right so, well, she's a film historian and he's an applied uh science major you know so they they come from two different kind of worlds like he's like we're gonna win this through applied science you know i, I knew there was gonna something was gonna come into play towards the end when uh he's talking about you know the wiring of the house about how they 
going through the story about how you can't drill into the stone because it gets damp and it could cause electrical surges and circuiting and stuff like that. So you know that they're going to use that to uh, to their benefit at the end. But he's like, this is where applied science comes into play. Like, and yep. you know the, two, the two morals you can take from that are, A, don't ever talk about the, the electrical shit with a lady because you're not going to impress her. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She's not gonna. She's not gonna. You know, it doesn't get her their motors running. Yeah, all. she's not give in to your your perverted whims if you talk about the the uh, wiring in her house. And second, <laughs> if you have those skills, you can fight an undead witch. Yeah, you know, that's why, why you always believe in the science. Always believe yes. in the science. Electricity kills anything. <laughs> so right. Yes, I mean, I, I I thought that was a very weird way that they dispatched uh, Lilith at the end. We still got a few other things to talk about here, but the way they dispatched Lilith at the end with the, the electrical current, it's just like, you know, I guess it goes to show that electricity can kill just about anything. If you can't decapitate it, electrocute it. Yep, and a funny thing, too, is, is it's it plays out so much in the opposite way that it does in part two, because when she gets electrocuted, like it lasts for like a few, <laughs> you know what I mean? She's standing there like, like for like 30 seconds or more, you know what I mean? Like you're, right. you're seeing multiple shots of it and cutaways back to them seeing it happen. And then like the other demon characters coming in and then being like stunned by it, you know, whereas at the end of part two, when part, part two gets to, to the big moment, and they're just like all like dead and gone like within a blip they all get like sucked <laughs> and it's like oh wow that was like fast but like you get to actually like savor the <laughs> the defeat a bit more at the end of part one so yeah 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 it takes a little bit longer i i, I just um i'm taking movie logic here and just saying that it must have weakened her to the point where in part two it only took a little you know to, <laughs> to take awesome. her out the death i do like or the 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 one scene I do like is when uh, I think it's Jennifer uses the mirror to dispatch Janet, and it happens in a very you know very Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four kind of way. It, is, it was very reminiscent of like you know Alice using the mirror against Freddy at the end of Nightmare on Elm Street Four. So I, I like that little nod. You know, there's a lot of winks and nods. They even have winks and nods to Witchfinder General in this movie. They have a wink and a nod to Amityville Horror at the beginning. So there's you know a lot of in jokes there that I, I I can appreciate as a filmmaker myself. Yep, the classic mirror deflection of uh, evil power as always. <laughs> Evil shall see itself, and e it shall die. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so. Yeah. But we're pretty much close to the end here. We've already talked about the destruction of, of Lilith, but there was a bit of a story that we didn't touch base on. There mm -hmm. was the monk that had... Uh, we haven't even talked about, really, the, the whole reason why Elizabeth brought everybody there was because they're all direct descendants. Everybody, they find everybody's name in the... Lenecronomicon Lafay, and they find everybody's last name in there. So you find out that they're all direct descendants of the witch hunters that took down Lilith uh, 300 years ago. And the only person whose name is not in there is Jennifer's. So it comes to find out that she was, uh, if I remember right from one of my, my notes here, she was a direct descendant of the monk that Lilith killed. And so that that's the, the big kind of reveal, which I didn't remember that from my previous viewing, so it was still kind of a surprise. I thought she was a descendant of the child. Or the child, yeah. Child that Lilith was going to sacrifice. Oh, God, okay. Who was the descendant of the monk? There was somebody, or it wasn't Jack, was it? Oh, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway. Maybe but that's the... No, with the, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's her big secret is that that's why her name was not, you know, in so, technically the, the family Necronomicon, the family Bible. So I have to pose this question. Elizabeth invited all these people's, people over with the sole purpose of, you know, resurrecting Lilith and exacting revenge on her, on her, you know, family's name. 
yada yada right. yada. And but then she randomly invited uh, Jennifer over just because, as for what <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like that's a big coincidence. Like if she didn't invite her over with a with a purpose, why was she there? Because then when she finds out and she's told by Elizabeth at the or by Jennifer at the end who she is the descendant of, she seems shocked. She seems very like what you know, like she just like she didn't expect it. Yeah, it seemed like Elizabeth would have been the type of person to not leave anything to chance. And the fact that she had this person invited to the house and didn't know exactly who they were just seems it seems a little off putting. Yeah, it's a big, big coincidence that I didn't really understand. (laughs) Yep. But, you know, again, it's this I consider it a plot hole. That's all it is. <laughs> it was one way for them to go. Well, we can't explain, can't explain it, so we won't explain it. Yeah, it makes but, sense. <laughs> yeah, that that's the way I think about it. You know, they had four screenwriters, and I guess if, if four different script people writing the script couldn't figure it out, we're not going to be able to figure it out either. So <laughs> I'll just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> now, what I love about this movie the most. It all it it answers a question or it poses a question that a lot of people never really think about at the end of movies like this. When Janet and uh, not Janet, but when Jennifer and Jack are walking out at the end, you know, and they're like, all our friends are dead. And, you know, and a 300 year old witch, you know, killed them all and everything. What are we going to tell the cops? You know, or, or what, you know, they pose the question, what are we going to tell the cops? And that's exactly the question I have at the end of every like horror movie where there's a massacre and there's tons of dead bodies, whether it's Night of the Demons or it's a Friday the 13th film or an Evil Dead movie or anything, a Hellraiser film, you name it. These people, you know, they always end on the note like they've dispatched evil and good has won the day. But if you really think about it, our survivors, our heroes and heroines, they're all going to go to jail. Because nobody's ever going to believe them what happened. They're all going to jail for murder. Yeah, nobody's going to believe that a 300-year-old dead witch, like, came back from the dead and, you know, like, has killed everyone. So, yeah, authorities are just going to immediately be like, yeah, you're the one to finger. <laughs> you're, right. You're, somebody, some, in situations like that, somebody has to take the fall. So, I'm going to say it's going to be Jack. <laughs> if anybody's taking the fall, it's going to be Jack. <laughs> oh man, but it's a fun flick. I, I think, in short, I can sum it up. It's it's a short movie, and it it's very fast paced. It's very fun. Uh, I liked it a lot. Just re- revisiting it, I watched it on Tubi. I owned it on DVD, but. I didn't feel like searching out the DVD, so yes, me, the physical media maniac that I am, I watched it on Tubi. But uh, we'll go ahead and do our final thoughts and reviews, and you of all people know how we do things around here, so final thoughts and a rating on a scale from 1 to 10. Totally. So, you know, Witch House is uh, a very special film in the history of Full Moon, because uh, it came out in 99, you know, Paramount separated from Full Moon. Charles Band had to establish Full Moon Home Video, and they had been around for about four years at this point when this one came out. And when this movie came out, it sold like gangbusters. It was the number one shipped title in Full Moon Home Video history at the time. It sold more units to retailers and rent, you know, rental establishments than any other movie they'd put out. So this movie was an immediate hit. <laughs> and uh, so much so that Band was like, I need a sequel. And, you know, Dakota had already brought Book Walter in to the full moon fold to uh, start editing for him, I believe, as far back as Shrieker. And he was doing a lot of good work and obviously was, you know, basically got the promotion from editor to director. And was, he was like, I need a sequel stat, you know, and mm-hmm. he did the sequel and the sequel, I believe, topped sales of the first one. 
like this was a huge franchise for full moon in the late 90s early 2000s and i think a lot of i say this a lot but i think more so with this than most anything else i think a lot of modern full moon fans who might not be aware of what witch house is or they're aware of it and they just it's not really something that's on their radar i think people forget what a big deal this franchise was for full moon this was one of the most successful things under the roof period and you know it, it they cranked out three of them you know within three to four years and yeah, the sequel came out directly the next year didn't it come out in, t- uh, in near 2000 it was literally almost immediately yeah and you know they there was such a rush to keep demand you know the demand was so insane that you know they needed a part three and it was one of those again it's in a story for another time but it's like he needed a part three immediately like retailers and a lot of business decisions like that in those days were decided by retailers you know like curse of puppet master was made because retailers were wanting another puppet master film those sold and rented crazy so you you got a lot of decisions made based on what the marketers and the retailers and rental establishments were wanting and the the demand for this franchise was insane so much so to the to the point where charles band almost purchased uh, a movie that they didn't produce he was going to pay to purchase a witch themed film and then actually pay an additional cost to film work it uh and for any you know viewers who you know might not know what that is look it up it's kind of a dead process at this point but he was you know basically gonna pay additional money to you know soup up the quality of the film visually yeah to give it, it the, that film transfer process cinematic look and he was just gonna retitle it and call it witch house 3 because he needed one like yesterday <laughs> you know so that's that is how big this franchise was and it's unfortunate that it kind of you know three i think sold not as good as one and two but that's that's no slight on the franchise because this this was a juggernaut and it's in its day uh so it's it's an important franchise in the company uh dakotu shot this on a double shoot with retro puppet master i believe witch house was shot in eight days and then literally the day they wrapped on witch house the very next day he started shooting retro puppet master there wasn't even a day off in between and he had he had a week beforehand to prep both movies so um i mean and that's the kind of schedule they kept him on like they'd send him to romania he'd have like a week ish to prep two movies and he'd literally shoot two full features back to back for like two weeks so uh, the man is a the man is a tank i tell you yeah. i mean he i mean he gets the job done gets it done on a budget and delivers you know and this this movie delivers i mean it's it's campy it's got some fun performances it's got fun effects it has a great villain i i think that franchises like this where there is a a female villain are very rare to have like a female horror icon and i think lilith lefay is someone who definitely doesn't really get uh looked at or included in sort of that classic sort of pantheon of female horror icons but i think yeah she's kind of like uh, you know full moon's version of uh, mary lou maloney totally like and exactly like mary lou angela baker you know the angel of death or angela the party demon you know i don't think she has a last name (laughs) you know but uh, i don't think she ever has had a last name but i think you're right yeah but you know but you know who i mean though just by saying that so but you know and those are those are great characters and i think lilith is just as awesome as some of those i just i don't think she really gets the the credit and ariana brought a lot to that and in this first movie, like I said, like she looks great, she sounds great, great costume, great makeup. I think the whole caricature of what they, what they put together is pretty awesome. It's just it's one of those moments where it's like, man, I I just wanted more. But that's that's good to keep people wanting more. I think it's a fun movie, and I I've watched it numerous times. The Witch House franchise is actually one of my uh, favorite things 
uh, out of the entire full moon catalog. So uh, I'm probably rating it a little higher than you know most would, but for me, I it's an eight. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I, I think it's one of the franchises of Full Moon that just doesn't get mentioned enough. You know, I mean, I'm gonna you know admit I am a subspecies guy, a transers guy, you know, and things and, and puppet master and whatnot. But I feel like this one just gets swept under the rug. You know, people don't mention it enough. It, it came at that point where you know it was the end of, like you said, it was the end of the Paramount money, it, and they yeah, were. You know, it's almost like it became sort of a black sheep brand to a degree. And for a long time, like, I think I'll make a comparison. I think demonic toys for a long time, that's like one of the most iconic full moon, like brands is like the demonic toys. Oh, but for sure. Think about the full scope of things. They didn't really make a whole lot of them. And, and it had been said in the past, like, you know, people would inquire, are you doing Demonic Toys 3? And it's like, no, there are no plans to make any more Demonic Toys movies. Like, there just was no, not a lot of interest. And then they just randomly were like, all right, well, you know, and they did Baby Oopsie. And it was like, boom, like success. It was like the most viewed, you know, like film on full moon streaming history. You know, so like Demonic Toys is kind of in again. By oh yeah, I can I can only hope that we get to some more, uh, either some more chapters of Baby Oopsie, or at least you know some one-offs of some of the other characters mm -hmm. like Jack Attack or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I would be I'd be down for that any day of the week. And you're definitely gonna get it because they, I believe, they greenlit you know quote unquote four more episodes of Baby Oopsie. I don't know if that'll. I feel like there'll be more Baby Oopsie-specific films than Demonic Toys movies. But, like, you know, she exists because of that brand. But they kind of didn't, you know, own up to Demonic Toys for a, a long period of time, even though it's such a huge thing. And I feel like it, Witch House is just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, that's old yeah. stuff. Yeah, it feels like it's, they might think it's this old hat and it's something they don't want to, you know, revisit. But I would be totally down for a Witch House 4. Like I said, it's a fun movie. It's campy. It's cheesy. It's got some great one-liners. I think the the character that, I mean, like I said, my favorite character is Tony the Stoner. But yeah. I think the most fun character is probably Janet that Brooke Mueller plays. Because she just has all the great dialogue. They they Whoever was writing for her, her you know, just totally had a lot of fun with it it's a fun movie now i will admit that i like part two a lot more than part one well, we'll cover part two here eventually but you know it's it's like i always say it's the difference between a movie i like and i love i really like witch house one i love witch house two but that being said i'm coming in slightly lower than you uh, i'm coming in at a seven and a half because it it delivers it's nice it's short it, it it really has no fluff. There's no slow points to this movie. And the the castle is great. The costume for uh, Lilith is great. I mean, uh, Ariana Albright is the MVP here. She's really good as Lilith, even for her you know limited amount of screen time. She sells it at what they said she's in what five six scenes. She's probably maybe has ten minutes of screen time. But she's great, and we would get a lot more of her in part two, and then Brink Stevens would play Lilith in part three to varying degree. You know, uh, part three I have some, I have a little bit of love for, but I have some issues with. But we'll get to that one when we get to it. But a great, great little franchise, and is one hell of a beginning for Lilith to Lafay. I, I got to say, so I'm giving it a seven and a half. I, I always hope that you know. I mean, when you look when Baby Oopsie came out earlier this year, this is 2021. When was the last time we had a Demonic Toys themed anything was 09 with Demonic Toys 2. So, I mean, you had, you had a 12 year gap. So um, well, there was how long of a gap from um, Dollman versus Demonic Toys and uh, Demonic Toys 2. There was probably, what, 15 years? I was going to say it was like 15 or 16. 16 because it's like 93 to 09 so i mean that when you look at things in that perspective that goes to show you that you know there just didn't seem to be a lot of interest and or support for that for that brand but it's still going you know and there there have been giant leaps and bounds in between installments so you know and i won't i won't another 
you know, quote unquote, big franchise <laughs> that that we haven't really touched on is like the Femalian franchise, you know, and they did one and two back in like, you know, like the late nineties or like 2000 ish. There was yeah, like kind of the, the, the Femalians. Now I've never seen any of those, but they're kind of, they're there skinny backs like, kind of movies, right? They're total like boobage sci-fi stuff. Yeah. But like they did a fake part three that was called Femalians seduction of the species, which is kind of a, clips show of repurposed footage to tell a new story in the femalian continuity and uh i mean that came out a few years ago i'm not gonna really count it at the moment in this conversation as like a real film though because it wasn't a, a, a new production so yeah, I mean, it was when, basically a clip show yeah so i mean when they released you know femalian cosmic crush when they announced that was going to be part of the deadly 10 i was like that's odd. Like, it, so when that one was done, it was like 19 ish plus years later since the last real one. So, I mean, fingers crossed that we can have a, a witch house reboot at some point. Yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic to hope for it. Totally. And I'd be down for it, and I know you would be too. So we're putting it out there to you, Charlie. We want to see a Witch House 4 make it happen. Definitely. Well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. We've uh, talked quite extensively about Lilith Le Fay and her her whole franchise and mostly, you know, reflecting on Witch House 1. So maybe we'll uh, put this in a quick turnaround and do Witch House 2 here coming up soon. Yeah, totally down. Right on, right on. Well, thanks once again, Dustin. I know we did two of these back to back, so I'm sure you're tired to listen to me talk. <laughs> no worries. But I appreciate your time and effort, everybody. And listen, listen, folks, if you're liking what we're doing here, uh, Dustin has been hard at work here helping us get uh, Cinema Degeneration on the IMDb so you can find our episodes and cycle through them on IMDb coming up here soon. Look for us there. We're on. Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, iTunes, you name it, we're there. So keep on listening and we'll keep on doing them. Uh, yeah, that's the one. What are you keeping it for? Aren't we in enough trouble? Look, maybe we can find out. Maybe it'll come in handy. Maybe we can use it against that witch bitch. Uh, Don't let's stay together. 